thrilled to have Marlon Nafsinger with us. Um, as Ruben said, Jesse's at the uh, quizzing tournament today, and he was the main worship speaker this morning. So he was still preaching, but just not here. Marlon served at the Bart Mennonite Church for over 25 years, and then God called him to start a church called Timberline Church in 2003, and he just retired from pastoring there, and so we thought it'd be great to have Marlon come and share with us this morning. So Marlon, come on up here. Let's let's, uh, pray for you, and then you can share God's word with us. All right, brother, let's pray. Father, we thank you for Marlon and for the ministry that you have given him for so many years. Lord, thank you for the impact that he has had in this area, preaching the word of God. Lord, we pray that this morning you would use him as your instrument to speak to us. Father, guide him in his thoughts, Lord, may your spirit use him this morning to challenge us to become more like Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Marlon. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate that. So for those of you that don't know, I'm one of those old men that sit around the table with Jesse and try to keep him straight. And that's pretty much a full-time job. He always reminds us how old we are and how young he is. Um, So this morning, I'm not sure if I'm the A preacher or the B preacher. I'm not sure if this is the A worship team or the B worship team, but I guess I'm A, B, or C, or whatever. But Lisa and I counted an honor to be here with you today. So good morning to each one of you that are here in person, and also good morning to those who are joining us online. I retired from Timberline Church the middle of September and agreed to be away for Timberline for the next six months, and so we had an opportunity to visit churches like we never had before in my life. And so we made a list of churches we wanted to visit, uh, wrote them on slips of paper, we placed them in a little ceramic jug, and each Saturday morning we draw out a name, and that's where we go to church the next day. Well, Waterway made the list, but after Jesse invited me to preach, you came out of the jug and into our date book, so here we are this morning. Delighted to be here. About a week after I retired from Timberline, About a week before I retired from Timberline, I visited one of our parishioners at a state correctional institution. And of course, they have this strict protocol um, in order to be admitted. I don't know if any of you have ever visited in a penitentiary, but uh, it it includes emptying my wallet, my pockets, walking through a metal detector. And um, I wasn't surprised that I made it beep. And the officer said, it must be your belt. Take it off. So I lifted my shirt and I said, I don't have a belt. (laughs) Then she swept her wand over my jeans, over the belt that I did not have on, and it went off again. And she said, it must be the snap on your jeans. And I said, so what do you want me to do about that? (laughs) And she said, nothing. And I said, well, that's good. I really didn't want to take off my jeans while she continued to frisk me. Well, then she swept the wand down my leg, and of course, the metal in my knee from a cycle accident several years ago set it off again. So I just looked at her, and I said, I have metal on my knee, and she said, no problem, and she waved me on. Next, they took me into another room 
This is like a process, right? So they took me to another room where another officer swabbed my hands for drugs and fortunately didn't find anything. And then she said, I need to take your temperature. And I went, okay, no problem. So she pulled out this thermometer that literally looked like a gun, pointed it straight at my forehead, you know, pulled some type of trigger, and then she looked at the screen. Now, I'm just a little nosy by nature, and so I said, what's my temperature? And she said, without a moment's hesitation, 73 degrees. <laughs> I kid you not, 73 degrees. And I, I just started laughing, you know? And she looked at me, because I'm laughing at her, right? And I said, my temperature isn't 73 degrees. She looked at her little forehead temperature gun again, and she said, yep, that's what it says, 73 degrees. I said, I don't care what that thing says. My temperature isn't 73 degrees. That's kind of the way I'm born, just to kind of act like that, right? She just shrugged and said, it's low enough. You're not a threat. And she weighed me on through. <laughs> I'm not lying to you folks, right? And I'm thinking, really? This was the final gatekeeper before permitting me into a high-security lockdown facility, and she thinks my body temperature is 73 degrees. I noticed that when we arrived here this morning at Waterway, no one asked us to empty our pockets, take off our belt, walk through the metal detector. And I just want to say thanks for that, that we didn't have to go through that today. And also, even if your body temperature this morning is 73 degrees, we're just delighted that you're here because this is the church, the body of Christ. I happen to have a stud dog named DuPont. I called him DuPont because I hope he would make me a lot of money. And one day I met a guy who brought a dog down to, to breed, and he moved quick quickly beyond stud service talk and shared his testimony with me. And he said that through his growing up years, he was not a follower of Jesus. And one day he was invited to some church and through the authentic care and outreach of that congregation, it's actually a church down in this area. He eventually committed his life to the Lord Jesus Christ and it changed his life forever. And it was just an encouraging, encouraging conversation. He knows I'm a pastor and we're comfortable talking about spiritual things and we've just become really good friends over the years. <clears throat> About a year ago, his dog had eight puppies, and um, he owed me some money. And so he sent me an email on Saturday evening, and he said, how about if I stop by sometime tomorrow morning around 9 o'clock and pay you? And I'm thinking, really? That's Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. He goes to church. He knows I'm a pastor. Why in the world does he want to stop by and pay me at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning? So I, respond, I was just about sent off something really nasty, but I, I didn't do that. I just responded with something like, tomorrow morning at 9 won't work. How about after I get home from church around 2? And he wrote back, sure, 2 is fine. So when he arrived, I asked, so why were you thinking paying me Sunday morning while I'm at church? I'm just curious. And he said, I haven't been to church since COVID started. We listen to it online, and to tell you the truth, I don't even think about it being Sunday anymore. And I thought to myself, wow, what happened? You know, we've had many conversations over the years, a number of years, about church. What happened? Now, I know people stayed home from church for a while for a variety of reasons. But I'm wondering what happened to Acts 13, 16, 13, 
On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. What happened to Acts 27? On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Soon after that, I was talking to a guy who had been church hopping for a while. And he admitted that for the last year, even though he's a healthy guy with no COVID concerns, he has joined the pajama church. Watching a church service online, and this church is over a thousand miles away. And then he said something that just blew me away. He said, I've become kind of disillusioned with the organized church. And I'm thinking, what do you want? You know, uh, a disorganized, unorganized church? What do you want? You know, what happened to Hebrews 10.25? Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to say thanks to the worship team for singing that song. About even so, Lord Jesus coming about the church, about the bride. Let us not give up meeting together. Some of you are in the habit of doing it. Let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So I just want you to know this morning that I love the church. Just want you to know that. I love Sundays without apology. And no, I'm not an Old Testament legalist when it comes to the Sabbath. I'm just a guy who believes that we need to set a day aside for rest, worship, and prayer, and fellowship, just like the early church. I want to take you to your notes. You were, I think you were given a little handout there. I want to take you to your notes to a hymn called, I Love Your Church, O Lord. It was written in 1797 by a guy by the name of Timothy Dwight, the grandson of Jonathan Edwards, and it goes like this. I love thy kingdom, Lord, the house of thy abode, the church our blessed Redeemer saved with his own precious blood. I love thy church, O God, her walls before thee stand, dear as the apple of thine eye, engraven on thy hand. I know it's kind of ancient language, but it speaks the truth. Verse 2, for her my tears shall fall, for her my prayers ascend, to her my cares and toils be given, till toils and cares shall end. Beyond my highest joy, I prize her heavenly ways, her sweet communion solemn vow, her hymns of love and praise. Verse 3, Jesus, thou friend divine, our Savior and our King, thy hand from every snare and foe shall great deliverance bring. Sure as thy truth shall last, to Zion shall be given the brightest glories earth can yield and brighter bliss of heaven. Waterway, when I sing lyrics like this, I get incredibly frustrated with pajama Christians. I just want you to know that. I get incredibly frustrated with pajama Christians, church shoppers, and church hoppers. And people that say they love Jesus claim to follow him and then trash the church. And I'll have more to say about that a little later. I've titled this message, The Church, The Beautiful Bride. I'm going to invite my wife to come up here. She's going to read some verses to you. If you could make sure this mic right here to my right, if make sure that that one's hot. She's going to read. This is my wife, Lisa. And I've entitled this message, The Church, The Beautiful Bride. And I invite you right now to turn with me in your Bibles or in your phones, because it's not going to be on the slide. Turn with me in your Bibles or your phones to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. 
And then I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's words. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And Lisa is going to read that to you. Let's stand together, if you would. Ephesians 5, starting at 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body." For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you that your word is true and faithful, and we can rely on it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lisa. And this is where we're just going to roost here for the rest of our time together. Ephesians chapter 5, verse, uh, starting at verse 21. Most of the times that we hear this scripture read that, I just, that Lisa just read to you, we hear at either a wedding or when someone is trying to just beat somebody into submission. But this morning, I'd like to show you the beauty of the church through these words. So if you would go to your notes, please. And I just have a couple of fill-outs for you, five little points here. You can put in the words if you want. The beauty of the church is that, number one, she submits to Christ. The beauty of the church is that she submits to Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24 says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husband in everything. Submission is kind of a, a, frustrating, a, a frightening word in our culture today, and it often gets a bad rap. And I think it brings to mind the picture, and most of you know where I'm going to go with this, brings to mind a, a picture of an abusive husband kind of beating his wife into submission, believing he's justified by this scripture, or maybe it's a demanding parent insisting that their kid does what they say. However, if we look at what the Bible says about submission, we will see a totally different perspective. First Peter chapter 3 tells us that way back in the Old Testament, Sarah submitted to her husband Abraham, and these verses call this submission gentle, quiet, and beautiful and yet anyone who knows this story knows that Sarah, Abraham's wife, was no pushover. Hebrews 13, 17 tells us to submit to leadership. But the same verse makes it very clear that those over us will give an account. 1 Peter 2, 13 tells all of us to submit to the government. But in Acts, we find that there are qualifiers for that submission to the government. 1 Peter 5, 5 tells the younger to submit to the older, but then challenges everyone to be clothed in humility. <clears throat> James 4, 7 tells all of us to submit to God, and when it comes to God, there's no exceptions, no qualifiers. Submission is a good word. Submission is a beautiful word. 
when it's used in the right context. In verse 21 of our text, we are told to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we often forget that the submission love husband-wife deal starts with submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And the grammar in this verse indicates that this mutual submission is associated with the filling of the Holy Spirit back in verse 18, just three verses earlier. That's what this submission is talking about. So this is not just some random command. In verse 22, we are told to submit to our husbands. And in verse 24, we as the church are to submit to Christ. The word submit comes from two Greek words, hupo, which means under, and tasso, which means to arrange in an orderly manner. So submit simply means to arrange ourselves under. And here's the beauty of submission. Some of you might go and be thinking, what's beautiful about submission? Well, here's the beauty of it. When we submit, we don't need to figure everything out. We don't need to figure it all out. We just need to arrange ourselves under the person who is responsible to figure everything out. It's their problem to figure out the big picture of our lives. Now, if the husband authority or government over us is a tyrant, like this guy we hear about every day on the news, it's really tough to figure this one out. And I'll just let, you know, Jesse and Steve figure that part of it out for you guys at a later point. I'm not going to go there. But the one we are to arrange ourselves under in this context, just for what we're talking about this morning, is Christ. And the beauty of being the church is that we don't need to figure out everything. We just need to arrange ourselves under him. That's number one. Number two, if you go to your notes, the beauty of the church is that Christ loves her. Christ loves her. So wives are to submit, husbands are to love in the same way that the church submits and Christ loves. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husband, love your wives just as Christ loves loved the church. Loving starts with Christ and then in turn is reciprocated by us. I want you to listen to the words of our hymn. It's there in your notes. I love thy church, O God, her walls before thee stand. Dear as the apple of thine eye and graven on thy hand. There is nothing like a bride who is loved and cherished and treated like she's the apple of her husband's eyes. I want to invite all of you here for just a moment, a little exercise. I want you just to shut your eyes, if you would. All of you, just shut your eyes. And I want you to imagine with me for a minute a married woman who is loved by her husband, one who is treated as though she is the apple of his eye. Who is it? Don't say. But what comes to mind when you think of that bride or that woman who is treasured by her husband? Who comes to your mind? With your eyes still closed, now I want you to imagine the opposite. A woman who is unloved and criticized by her husband. A wife who's become embittered and hardened by lack of affection and care. Again, who comes to mind? Don't say it. Who comes to mind? 
I want you to think for a moment with your eyes still shut about the conflicting emotions and feelings as you think about these two images. You can open your eyes. You see the church is loved by Christ and she has become one beautiful woman. Let's go to our notes. Number three, the beauty of the church is that Christ gave his life for her. Christ gave his life for her. Ephesians chapter 5, 25 through 27 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is also the body of Christ. Christ loved the church so much that he gave his life for her to make her holy by his word so that one day he could present her as a beautiful bride free of blemishes. Just talked to a gentleman the other day. He's in his late 80s and just lost his wife and he's dealing just with a lot of sadness and some regrets. And I finally said to him, you know, the things that you did wrong in your past, that's why Jesus went to the cross. To free you from that. It's easy for you. He's a church guy. It's easy for you to think about other people out there needing that forgiveness. But I want you to know that Christ has forgiven you. He went to the cross for you so that we don't need to deal with that sin and that guilt. He loved us so much. He gave himself for us. So I get a little peeved when people start trashing the church and say things like, I like Jesus, but I, I just can't stand Christians. Every year people talk like that maybe. Or I'm, or I'm, a, or I'm, a, Christ, I'm a Christian, but I'm disillusioned with your church. Or I'm a Christian, but I don't really go to any particular church. And I go, really? You know, that's ridiculous. It's like saying, you know, Jesus, I love you, but I don't want to deal with your wife. It's like saying, Jesus, you're looking good, but your bride is ugly. It's like saying, Jesus, I love you, but I don't like your body. Now, you can tell me I'm ugly. I'm okay with that. You might even be right. Over the years, I seem to get older and uglier. That seems to be true. But don't ever tell me that my wife is ugly. And guess what? I've been married for 36 years, and no one has ever told me yet, at least not to my face, that Lisa's ugly. But over the years, many people have thrown the bride and the body of Christ under the bus and complain and bellyache to me about how ugly the church is. And I'm just kind of sick of it. It's one reason why I wanted to come share this message with you to, this morning, is to tell you that I'm sick of that, and it doesn't need to be that way. I love the church because Christ died for the church. 
And if he died for the church, that means the church has value. And if it had value to him, it has value to me. Listen to the words of our old hymn. Beyond my highest joy, I prize her heavenly ways, her sweet communion, solemn vows, her hymns of love and praise. Folks, beyond your highest joy, prize the heavenly ways of Waterway Church. Blessed are the ones who speak positively of Waterway and refuse to gossip about her. Blessed are the ones who are willing to volunteer to serve her and are the first to sign up when there is a need. Blessed are those who tithe and are quick to give generously to the budget. Blessed are the ones who are willing to lighten the load for Jesse and Steve and the elders and the staff. Christ gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. He lived for us. So we can certainly give our time, our finances, and our loyalty to his beautiful bride. And for you here today, all of you gathered in this room, that bride is called Waterway. That's the bride, folks. Let's go to our notes. Number four, the beauty of the church is that Christ feeds and cares for her. Verse 29, after all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Romans 12, 2 says, in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. For the organs in our body, like the heart, liver, and kidney, to fulfill their purpose, they must be connected to our body. There has to be a a connection. A heart severed from the body will shrivel and die. It cannot. It cannot exist on its own. It's no different in the church. It cannot exist on its own. And Waterway, it's the same for you. You cannot exist on your own because Christ is the one who feeds and cares for you. According to the Apostle Paul, being a member of the church means being a vital organ of a living body, an indispensable, interconnected part of the body of Christ. There's a guy by the name of Rick Warren who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, and here's what he writes. This is why the first symptom of spiritual decline is usually inconsistent attendance at worship services and other gatherings of believers. Whenever we become careless about fellowship, everything else begins to slide too. I want to suggest to you today that if church has become humdrum and meaningless, and if you find yourself quietly and subtly maybe becoming disillusioned with the bride of Christ, I would challenge you you may be the problem. I can say that. I'm not your pastor. and Get away with that. You might be the problem. We just tend to think that we're not the problem. We always think it's someone else. But I just want to suggest to you, you might be the problem if life is getting, you're getting a little crotchety and, and, and fed up in your spiritual life. You might be the problem, not the church. Now, I've been an old guy, I'm, I'm an old guy, and I've been a pastor for 40 years, and for a long time, I've watched people criticize the church, complain about the church, hop from church to church. 
And for the last two years, we finally have had this excuse to stay home and play pajama church. Now, I know that people do have medical reasons why they could not be at church, and I know that this pajama church thing is kind of slowly going away. People are getting back. But I heard it a lot. You know, we can spend the rest of our life looking for the perfect church, but we will never find one. I have a friend, he's a young guy, he's looking for the right woman. But he's never going to find the right woman until he becomes the right man. It's just the way it is, Jack. Hate to tell you, guys, if you're looking for a wife, women, you're looking for a guy. You might be looking for the right person. You've got to become the right person. We will never find the right church until we become the right Christian. You can leave Waterway mad. You can go to the church next door, and you're going to leave there. Eventually, something's going to be wrong. I've watched this, folks. I'm an old guy. I've watched this. People come, and they start complaining about the next church, and I go, yeah, I wonder how long you're going to be here. Make a little note in my mind, not in my book. They'll be out of here. You complain about another church, you're going to complain about us. People come to me and complain about the pastor before. They're going to complain about me. And you know what? I'm usually right. They're in and out really quick. So long. Farewell. Listen to the words of our hymn in verse 2. For her my tears shall fall. This is a whole different world. For her my tears shall fall. For her my prayers ascend. To her my cares and toils be given till toils and cares shall end. Beautiful words. We're talking about the church. We're talking about weeping for the church. When we're finally willing to weep for the church, the beautiful bride of Christ, I doubt that we will have time and energy to criticize her. Let's go to our notes. Number five, the beauty of the church is that Christ and she are a profound mystery. Number five and last. Christ and she are a profound mystery. This is what it says, verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. And it's interesting. We, all, we often share this passage at weddings. But look what it says. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. The big deal here isn't the husband and the wife, the bride and the groom. The big deal here is Christ and the church. So we have this profound mystery. A marriage between a man and his wife and the union of Christ and the church. I love this verse, Proverbs 30, verse 18. There are three things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky. People always like think eagles are so great. You know, they're just, people say, oh, I saw an eagle. I don't really like eagles because they took all the fish out of my pond, so I'm not a real fond, fond of eagles. But eagles, they're prof- it's profound. You know, the way of a snake on the rock, something cool about snakes. Some people might not think that. The way of a ship on the high seas, particularly if you get seasick, real profound, right? And the way of a man with a maiden. These are profound things. Marriage is a profound mystery. How can we selflessly and blindly fall in love with another person? That's a mystery. I have no idea how we do that. But we do. And if love wasn't at least somewhat blind, most of us probably wouldn't be married. 
And the same is true of Christ. How can Christ blindly and selflessly give up his life for a jaded bride? I have no idea. But he did. Listen to the words of our hymn, verse 1. I love thy kingdom, Lord, the house of thine abode, the church our blessed Redeemer saved with his own precious blood. With his own precious blood, he redeemed his bride, the church. And this makes no sense. And this is a profound mystery. And this is why I love the church. So Waterway people, you were loved by Christ. You are redeemed by Christ. You are cared for by Christ. So submit to this profound mystery, Christ and Waterway. If you're here today, and I know that some are watching this online, but if you're here today, just recognize the beauty of what you have and continue to enjoy this mystery. Whether you're online or here this morning, if you have somehow turned into a pajama Christian, I urge you. You know, maybe we're just lucky today and this is the one Sunday out of the last three months you're here. I don't know. But if you somehow have turned into a pajama Christian, I urge you to reconnect. I urge you to put your clothes back on. I encourage you to come back to the beautiful bride of Christ. Rejoin the body of Christ. Revel in, the, in becoming the apple of his eye and participate in this profound mystery, Christ and the church. I want to invite the worship team to come up at this time. They're going to lead us in the song, The Love of God. And while they're coming, I just ask you to bow your heads and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Father, I want to thank you for this church and I want to thank you for the profound way that you have worked in their lives over the past couple years. I'm going to think particularly as they had to face the challenges of a building program and, and all the things that go into that. And I thank you, Lord, that you enabled the leadership to lead and lead well. I thank you for the Oaks, the ministry next door, and I pray a blessing on that as well. And I just pray, Father God, that these people here today can understand the beauty of being the bride of Christ. May they never forget that. Amen.